What's up, everybody? It's your girl, Rita Love, with another episode of uh, Unapologetic Woman of Color. It is Wednesday, September 19th, 2.25 p.m. And I, f- I figured, why not now put out another episode of my podcast? But um, So it's been an interesting last few days. I was in the hospital in the emergency room from like, I was there, I think Friday, I don't know if it was Friday or Thursday. It was such a blur, but I went in and I I know I went in about 6 p.m. at night. I didn't get out until about 4.30 the next morning. I was in so much pain um, and they found out that I had a kidney stone and they said it was four milliliters. If it had been bigger than four milliliters, they would have had to go in and surgically remove it. But because it was exactly four milliliters, it was close to the bladder. They were just going to send me home. With some pain pills, uh, some other pill that helps me pee a lot, you know, so that I could, you know, hopefully let it pass. So I, I was drugged out for a few days and I, I didn't go to work. I laid in bed, you know, I was out of my mind. And I, I'm going to tell you right now, I hate pain pills so bad. They make me sick. These ones specifically, really, they made, they gave me the worst headache. So they removed pain in one area and caused pain in another. So I don't know what the hell is up with that. Anyhow, I think about, I'm hoping because I'm not feeling any pain. I, I So they gave me like eight of those, those pain pills and I only took three because I hate them so bad, but I was in so much pain. So I, uh, yesterday, I think, no, not yesterday, but the day before I stopped because they say that they last like four to six hours. And, um, I, for me, I feel like they stay in my system all damn day. So I, I went, not yesterday, but the day before, Monday. I went all Monday with no, I just didn't take any pills. And I just let that stuff just, you know, try to, I was trying to get that stuff out of my system. And I finally did. So yesterday I went to my class at, uh, uh, last night from six to nine and I didn't feel any pain. I still, I mean, I'm still, I'm feeling discomfort, but not in, not on my left side where the kidney stone was more on my right side, but it doesn't feel like kidney pains. It feels more like muscle and bone, like old age pain. <laughs> so <clears throat> anyways, I, uh, I think it's, I think I've passed it. So I'm glad to get that out of my system. So I feel I'm slowly getting back into the swing of things, but I feel like I've just been on one blur of a ride. So anyhow, um, what's going on? Just an announcement, a real quick announcement. So UPASEC, which is the coalition that I chair and I'm the executive director over, uh, which is the Utah Pacific Islander Civic Engagement Coalition, we are holding, along with the National Song and American Society, um, a Utah Pacific Islander Candidate Forum. And so we have really focused on candidates that are running on the West Side, where there's a real majority of a large population of Pacific Islanders. And we want them to come and pitch to our community and and open themselves up for questioning uh, from our community so that uh, our community can can get an idea of, you know, who are the people that are running to represent them? What are their values? Do they closely align with the hours? And are these people, are these the people that we want to see hired, you know? So, so far we have quite a, few, a number of candidates who have, you know, responded and, and, and accepted our invitation to participate, but we're asking, I'm, I'm asking you, please come out. It's only an hour and a half. 
I'm hoping, I'm thinking that the first half hour, we're going to have people at the candidates table. They can pass out information and you guys can give it, be given an opportunity to ask questions. Um, and then, you know, we'll, we'll give an hour where they just um, are able to introduce themselves and, and uh, you'll, you'll figure out, the, you'll, you'll realize the format once you get there, but you'll have an opportunity, a real opportunity to talk to um, your candidates, you know, and find out uh, are these the people you want representing you, you know, and just be really mindful about the, what this platform is, you know, and do your homework and do your due diligence and figure out, you know, what are the issues that you're experiencing and uh, bring that to the table with you and ask those questions, ask some real, you know, important questions. So that'll be next Tuesday. It's going to be at the Salt Lake County building, which is on 2100 South and state street. It's um, and it's in the North building in the city council chambers or the County council chambers, excuse me. Um, and it's going to be from six to seven thirty PM. I mean, gosh, you know, you guys can, you guys can sacrifice an hour and a half to come out. This is for your, your benefit. So I hope to see a lot of our Pacific. I mean, it's open to everyone, but our target audience is really you. So I'm hoping that you guys show up. Uh, I think it's really important. I don't think it's very important. It's vital. Um, and a lot of these people will be voting, you know, they'll, you know, whoever you decide to hi to hire as your representative will be voting on major policies that have a huge uh, impact on your lives. Your life, your children's lives, your family's life, your community, you know, um, schools, everything. So remember, it's next Tuesday, which is the 25th, not September 25th, at the Salt Lake County building on 2100 South and State Street from 6 to 7.30 p.m. I hope to see you guys there. Um, I have been kind of on a weird trip lately. I... Um, you know, I even questioned whether or not I should do this podcast because I, I didn't know if I was in, in the right frame of mind because I've been looking. So I've had a career in IT for over 20 years, just doing a lot of things. I've been a data, a data analyst, a business analyst, a quality, quality, quality assurance analyst. You know, I've, I've uh, been a software consultant. Like I've done quite a few things and, and this is over the span of 20 plus years. And just, and I, I think I've talked about this before, like I just started feeling like in 2015, 2016, I was just getting sick to my stomach because I felt like I, I'm not, this is not where I'm supposed to be because I really enjoy, you know, doing community work and serving the community and working on issues to, you know, and working on the betterment of the community. And, and I had to get out of that. So I, I left and I have been, since then I have been trying so hard to break into the nonprofit industry to no avail here in Utah. And the crazy thing is I, you know, I'll make it to like the top, you know, after an interview, I'll make it to the top two or top three. And then they get, they decide who out of the top two or three they, they want. And they, they never, they don't ever choose me. And they end up giving the job to like a, a, a non person of color, you know, a white person. And, you know, just thinking about like all of the huge uh, nonprofit organizations here in Utah, about 90% are white. So these are organizations, most of them pretty liberal and progressive. And these are organizations that supposedly, you know, they, they tout, you know, equality, equity, uh, inclusiveness, but then they do a, a shit job 
with their hiring practices. You know, they don't do a very good job of diversifying their hiring practice, their workforce. And I don't understand that, you know, because I really, I, I know the skills that I have and what I bring to the table. And as a person of color, a woman, a strong woman with somebody who has a ton of experience and a huge, you know, network of allies, um, both on a local and national level, I don't understand, you know what I mean? And so I, I actually posted this on Facebook to just kind of gauge what, how people felt about what it is that I was saying. And I lost, you know, surprisingly, a lot of, of my white friends agreed that there is seriously an issue with the hiring practices within some of these liberal progressive um, nonprofits. And, uh, you know, I, I'm hoping, and I'm friends with a lot of these people that work in, in these organizations. So I'm hoping on Facebook. So I'm hoping that they saw my, you know, my, um, my post and they, really do some serious soul searching and fuck a serious, you know, the thing that makes me angry is the fact that they don't mind me. I'm, I'm pouring one of my drinks into a cup of ice. <laughs> I didn't realize it was that noisy. The thing that really upsets me is that, you know, they won't hire, they don't diversify their hiring practices, but they'll partner up with people of color and make them do the work for free. You know? Oh yeah. You know, why don't you partner up with us? We need your organization to do this for free, bitch. That's the thing that really, that's the thing, that's the thing that, that drives me nuts. Like, here's your opportunity to bring somebody from the community into your organization to help you with your lack of outreach to com marginalized communities. And you don't hire them. You instead hire a white person. And then you still, you still want to partner up with us, you know, and have us do the work for fucking free. Are you crazy? Kiss my ass. So, you know, I'm very, I'm very angry about that. Anyways, I, as much as I hate IT, I don't hate it. I just don't want to be there anymore. I just, my heart's not in it. Um, I started dropping resumes all over the place, you know, for IT positions. So we'll see what happens. Um, it's, it's been, it's been a really a frustrating road for me. Now I, our coalition just became a 501c3. So it makes me wonder if, you know, maybe... Maybe I was just meant to just do my own thing and not worry about all these other big organizations. But the reason why I apply at these big organizations, because they are already tried, you know, and they've already done the work. And a lot of the resources that they use are stuff, you know, I want there to be a bridge in the gap between our coalition and these huge organizations. You know what I mean? And uh, it's pretty frustrating. So my advice to all of you is please apply for these jobs. Just keep blowing up their page, their, their websites with your applications, with your resumes, because they need to understand how they are failing miserably when it comes to hiring diverse candidates into their workforce. And they need to work on that. You cannot tout that you're all about equality and all about equity and then not show that in your workforce. So that's been my, that's kind of been my issue. And I think I've just been, I'm feeling really down right now. And I think it's because I'm still trying to come off of these damn pills. I've been in a lot of pain. And then of course, you know, the whole like looking to try to break into this industry. And luckily I still do things off to the side, like little side, my little side hustles that pay, but it is not enough. I'm not used to making this kind of money. It's, it's just, 
you know, money plays an important role in our lives. I know it's not everything, but it, it really is. It, if you can make your world a little less, you know, stressful, it helps you. It, it, it provides me the ability and the opportunity to go out and do good work for other people. You know what I mean? But that's not the case. So we'll see. I'm just so, <laughs> I'm so furious right now. Anyhow, um, so I've been watching uh, this whole discussion over Brett Kavanaugh, who is uh, Pres President Trump's uh, nominee to be the next Supreme Court justice, and how he is now under, you know, um, some hot. He's 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 in the hot seat right now because one of his former, I think it was a, a former schoolmate that he uh, he had come out and accused him of sexually assaulting her, of sexually assaulting her. And so, you know, now, and I already know this is going to happen. This is the same thing that happens with, this shit happens with women and it happens with people of color with, where people come out and they start to demonize um, the victim, right? And so they, we've got a massive movement to demonize this woman on the right. And look, I took a... Mm -hmm. I took um, a class. So this is what I do. I, anytime the, the community, anyone, you know, any organization offers like free or discounted um, training, I jump on it because I just never know when I'm going to need it. And so UCASA, it's the um, Utah Coalition Against Sexual Assault uh, Organization. They were holding a victim's advocacy training and it was free. I was like, and it was a 40 hour course. So you had to be there for a whole week from eight to five. And I wasn't doing anything. So I was like, sure, why not? So I went and took it and it, and it was amazing. Cause when I walked in, I was expecting to see a bunch of white Utah people. And it was so diverse because it was a lot of, it was actually mostly military personnel and they were, they were flying in from all over the country. So it was really, really awesome to meet all these amazing people from outside of Utah. And it was just so, such a nice welcome change. Anyways, in my victim advocacy, advocacy class, I am taught to believe the victim. Like you have to believe the victim. And so, you know, which makes sense because then once you believe, once you believe, you know that you go in believing the victim, then the help just, you know, naturally falls into place. You're able to assist better. You're able to help. You're able to listen and be a, a, a more, a more effective uh, victim's advocate. And so, Right off the bat, this woman um, who is a, a doctor, not a medical, she's 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 got a she's a PhD, uh, a person with a PhD. So she's a she's a doctor in her field. Um, she reported the incident and she talked. She's gone through therapy with it. She's talked to her other friends about it. You know, just kept her. I mean, the people with the knowledge of what happened to her were was pretty close knit circle um, about the incident with Brett Kavanaugh, and now she's being demonized. And I. And I just saw a, an article from Yahoo, and it said that 11 <laughs> – this is the thing that's so crazy. It's 11 mm -hmm. white men, all of them Republicans. Three of them are, three of them are from the members – are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints – are going to be investigating Christina Blasey Ford's claim of being sexually assaulted by a young white male, Brett Kavanaugh. <laughs> I need you to listen. Let, let me just say that one more time, very slowly, very clearly. 11 white men, all of them Republican, three of them members of the Mormon church faith, are going to be investigating 
Dr. Ford's claim of being sexually assaulted by Brett Kavanaugh when he was a young man. What do you see? What is wrong with this picture? I'll tell you what, it's a bunch of white men who are all Republicans. So they have these conservative point of views and it's actually the right that's coming out with the attacks against Ford who are doing the investigation. Are you kidding me? This is one lens, one point of view. They're not appropriately trained uh, in this, in this area. So they don't even know what kind of questions to ask how to, this, this is infuriating because they don't know what the hell they are getting themselves into. So I'm very curious about how this is going to turn out, but I do know that there are a lot of angry people, both on the legislative level and then throughout the country. Um, They are upset that, uh, you know, (laughs) this reminds me of when people of color go to court, you know, when they go to trial and they're supposed to be, you know, uh, judged by their peers and their peers are all like white. And this is exactly what that is. She's being judged. She's being investigated by her so-called peers who are all white male Republicans. You think about that. Tell me the fairness in that. And how do you think that's going to turn out? It's not. This is a very, this is a very tricky place for Republicans to be. You know, they can, one of two things, they can either, you know, uh, ignore the accusations and go ahead with the um, confirmation of Brett Kavanaugh, which will hurt them big time in the long run. Or they can, you know, um, take into account the the accusations, vote him, vote Brett Kavanaugh down, and then lose their opportunity to fill that seat with a conservative judge. So they are sitting, you know, they're they're really just stuck between a rock and a hard place, which is really, really, you, if you don't want to see this man, I'm telling you right now, if we put a man like this with a history like that in the seat, in the highest level of the, of court, of the court system in our country, one of the branches of the, of the, of the government, you're, you're look, you're looking at the possibility of this person weighing in on laws that have a huge negative impact on women, women's rights, protection against women. If you do not want to see this man confirmed as the next Supreme Court justice, you have to call your senator, your senators, Orrin Hatch and Mike Lee, which is unfortunately, those two are actually one of the men, Those they're both of the men that are going to be on this investigating committee, investigating uh, Dr. Ford's claims. And I'll tell you what, I, we should still blow up their phones. But I remember I was on a, on a, on a conference call. It was a town call. It was like a tele, tele town hall with, with Senator Mike Lee. And this is during the time when they were trying to destroy um, the affordable care act. And they were, they were getting, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of phone calls into both their local office here in Utah and also their Washington office. And he still, Mike Lee still didn't give a damn. He, and so I got on the phone and I asked him, I said, Hey, you know, cause they were at taking calls from, they were taking questions from the callers. So when they got me on the phone, they were like, so what are your, what's your question? I said, I just want to know how is it that you have constituents 
blowing up your phone in both the local and 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 your federal office, and you are not taking into consideration our voices. And he told me that sometimes he has to do what he thinks is best for his constituents because his job is is to be a leader. And sometimes he has to go based off of his own decision-making skills. And I'm like, I was blown away because I'll tell you what, a lot of these, these, um, these, a lot of these legislators forget that they are hired by the people to represent the people. Yes. I know we live in a Republic in a Republic, but the reason why we, we vote for these people is because we believe in our minds that they're going to represent their constituents. That pissed me the fuck off. The fact that he would literally put aside and dismiss all the hard work and calling and activism and advocacy from his own constituents and just go based off his own sole decision. So that may just know, just knowing the background with him, I know exactly how he's going to feel when he goes, he's not going to, he doesn't care. He's not going to worry about the, the, you know, the thousands of women that are his constituents here in Utah. He's he's gonna he's not gonna care how this is going to affect us as a nation, but you know what? I still think you should blow his phone up because I want you to prove me wrong. I want you to prove me that he's that he's somebody whose heart can be changed by you know a mass outpouring of concerns from his constituents. So call a Senator Orrin Hatch, call Senator Mike Lee, and let them know how you feel. Um. Which leads me to another thing as far as demonizing, right? Because I said earlier, this happens mostly to women and to people of color. Uh, uh, I forgot to say, I hope I say his name right, because I don't ever want to botch. I don't like botching people's names, just like I don't like it when people botch my name. But I sometimes, I understand that some people have the good intentions. They want to, they want to say our names right, but you know, Botham Jean. Botham Jean was a consultant with a, a very reputable, very uh, legit uh, PricewaterCooperhouse um, consulting firm. I know the I know this consulting firm. I've worked when I was working as a consultant um, back in two thousand one through two thousand nine. I was flying all over the place. Anyways, um, he Pricewater PricewaterCooperhouse was is in a is a legit. You have you have to have some serious brains on you to work for this organ for this company because they do legit work, and he was one of their consultants. So he was a very successful black man, who he was smart, he was intelligent, he was working for he was working as a consultant. He was he was living his life, and he was shot in his own apartment by this white woman who was off duty who thought she was walking into her apartment. Now she didn't walk into her apartment. There's anyhow, according to witnesses in the apartment building, they could hear her saying, you know, open up, open the door, let me in, let me in. And I guess he opened the door and she opened fire and killed him. So she was arrested for mur- and charged with murder and, and, and spent time in, in jail. And then the police union posted her bail, which was like $300,000, $300,000, fucking $300,000. Think about that. And got her out, got her out of jail. And her original, her, her original statement, you know, um, is definitely one that would, I think in court would have, um, 
definitely had the judge throwing the book at her. But once the police union got her out, she was just singing a different tune, you know. And then they, the judge approved a warrant to go and search Botham's house. For what? For what? Why are you searching his house? She's the one whose house, her house needs to be searched. You know, her house, she's the one that should be. And I think she did take a drug test or they tested her for, you know, alcohol and drugs. And, uh, but they, but the fact that they did that, they went into his house and they said they found weed. Man, what the hell does that have to do with the fact that she walked into somebody else's home and killed the owner of the house, killed the the tenant of that house, that, that, um, home, nothing. But what they're trying to do is they're trying to paint this person in a very ugly light. And this is what they do with women. This is what they do with people of color. And I do not want you guys to buy into that BS hype and just listen to the facts. She was wrong. She murdered an innocent man. She needs to be put away for life. They robbed him of his life. This was a young man who was successful who was living his life, minding his business, and he was robbed of living a full life. His family was robbed of enjoying their son and his success and his happiness. The community was robbed of another brother who was out there doing the damn thing. The people were robbed of an amazing human being by a white off-duty officer. And so this this story continues. And I am hoping that all of you ignore the hype, the bullshit, listen to the facts. I don't think that weed was his. Honestly, he does not look like the, like the type of person that did that smoke weed. I I really believe that shit was planted there, but that's just me. That's just assumptions. But I, I hope and pray that they throw the book at her because I believe with all my heart that Botham is not going to get, he's not going to be able to rest in peace unless until he gets the justice he deserves. And I think even after he gets the justice he deserves, he's going to, you know, cause I really believe in a life after man, he's going to do some serious soul searching. You know what I mean? He's going to have to do why, why me? Why did I get taken away? Why I was doing just fine. You know, um, and his family is definitely not going to be able to rest easy until they receive the justice they deserve. And even after that, they're going to be going through some serious emotional setbacks and, and processing. So this is the thing that I can't stand. I, I'm so done with people in power, mostly white folks, doing everything in their power to demonize people of color, to demonize women and to continually do everything in their power to keep us, you know, under their rule of thumb. And it's, 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 that time is, you know, should be over already because we're already, we already know there's data that proves that by 2045, that that the country will be, uh, whites will no longer be the majority. The majority will be people of color. And we're already seeing that in little pockets of the, throughout the nation, Look at West Valley City, Utah. We they are now minority majority. People of color make up fifty-one point something percent. White people make up forty-nine percent. This is your opportunity, people in West Valley, to 
carve out what you want your local government, what your what you want your representatives to look like. This is your opportunity. You now have the power with your voice. Take advantage. Vote. Anyhow, I think I'm done. I have a lot of other stuff I need to do. But look, I know that I'm always preaching, you know, you know, reinforcing. Being reinventing yourself is healthy. I'm always trying to reinvent myself, and I'm much older now. It's a lot more painful, but I still think it's it's important. So do you be you and love you? Until then, this is another episode of Unapologetic Woman of Color. Ciao.